Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. A duh, a duh, a duh, a duh, 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 part duh. Tim loves it so much, he's singing it now. Pardon. I'm telling you. You want something funny, Tim? I've been talking about how funny that is for years now, and you guys just kept you guys kept telling me how stupid it was, and, you know, I'm glad you're on board now. Stop making this dumbass joke. I want to Ric Flair to sh- chop the shit out of you. I'm just glad that I I just had, made a good joke. Though. I'm just glad that I, I had that idea, and it was all my idea, and I've been singing it from the very beginning. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like there's like air coming out of my nostrils right now. I'm human. <laughs> Part duh. Well, what I actually just did though was um, me and Michael are recording together. Tim is on the leptizzle, and what Jason I did Jason's was starting I, the I, episode with swag two episodes <laughs> in a row now. It's pretty funny though. I I muted me and Michael. Oh, they reversed it. They said it's not a catch. That's what? Uh, I muted I muted me and Michael. Michael didn't know, and. Um, you know the Uncle Fucker song from South Park? Getting started early. I started singing it. I started singing it while you while he thought the music was on. He goes, What are you doing? <laughs> she was mad funny. Uh yo, South Park movie is one of the top Not 10. the music, the the recording. Yeah, I know. I thought Jason just started singing a fucking South Park Uncle Fucker song for no reason in the middle of you talking. Well, Michael, shut your fucking face already. I think that warrants uh confusion. Man, the South Park, if the South Park movie came out today, people would be pissed. People, you know we haven't, sucks at football? Jalen Rager. We haven't talked about this. John Gruden is no longer the uh, the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. All right, yeah. Of what he John said. John Gruden's a piece of shit, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think there's two I feel for... Go ahead. I feel for Carl Nassib, bro. He said he, he took a personal day. Like... That's fucked up situation for him too. Like, that's been your coach for a couple of years now. Probably got like super close, and to see that he's like saying all this shit, not cool. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I think there's two things you can learn from this. a lot of the, there's a meme going around about Antonio Brown. He's like, so so far Antonio Brown said Juju ain't shit without him. John Gruden was a racist. The Steelers were a crappy organization without him. And I think there's one more thing. And I, and I mean, it looks like Antonio Brown was correct. <laughs> He's just a sociopath. Uh, but there's two things to learn from this. Number one, don't be racist uh, and sexist and homophobic and all that. Like, there's no reason for it. But number two is also like, yo, kids out there, you can say something and someone can completely, it, it could be acceptable to say when you're saying it. Because the things that John Gruden said are unacceptable to say. But at the same time, in 2011, those things were less unacceptable. I'm not saying they're ever acceptable, but you weren't losing your job because people heard you saying those words. Fast forward 10 years later, and that's not the case. So if you're out there and you're listening, if you're, don't be a bigot, period. Particularly, be very aware of what you put online. Because your life may be over... If you say something that you think is harmless right now, and then all of a sudden it's not harmless. For in John Gruden's situation, it was harmful even then. You know, like those are words that should never be said. But those are also words that were said kind of like 
Like people weren't getting canceled for saying those words. You know what I mean? And um, now they are. So John Gruden uh, is not the head coach of the of the Raiders anymore. So I don't know what we're going to see about the Raiders. And I know the Raiders are not next on the docket, are they? Are the Raiders next on the docket? Did I just have a great transition? They are not. No. Ah, damn. Do you want to talk about the Raiders anyway right now? What if, what if in 10 years people are getting canceled for saying Joe Mixon sucks? The fantasy community is already trying to cancel people for saying that. I mean, if that's the case, then we are fucked. Then we're never going to run for president. <laughs> we are absolutely <laughs> Um, and I want the people don't vote for this guy. He didn't like Joe Mixon. (laughs) And I want people in 10 years to know, I still hate Joe Mixon. All right. If that makes me a Mixonist, then I guess I must be a Mixonist. Um, what's next? Uh, the Bengals at Lions. Did we do that one already? We did not. The Packers at Bears just did that. The Bengals at Lions. Uh, that's our first game on the docket for part two. I think one of the more underrated things about the Lions, and if you're only plugged into fantasy and you're not plugged into like the NFL, you may not have heard about this, but Frank Ragnow, their excellent center, is was lost for the season. Frank Ragnow was the second highest rated center in PFF, and he was the third highest rated center in PFF on run blocking grade. Look, DeAndre Swift shouldn't be too affected because he's such an effective passer. But Jamal Williams, who's a guy that I really liked coming into the year because of how good the offensive line for the Lions was, and he's been up and down, I'm not sure if I like him anymore because the Lions' offensive line, he's being replaced by an undrafted he was an undrafted guy three years ago has never had a grade over 60.5 on PFF, so a very average at-best center. And center is such a key position uh, for the running game that it worries me about the long-term future of Jamal Williams, not only in this game, but I mean, not only the future, but also in this game. So DeAndre Swift, uncomfortable playing, but Jamal Williams, I'm, I'm putting down a few notches then where I usually would have him. How do you guys feel about this running game for Detroit? No, I'm with you. Even last week, DeAndre Swift played 74% of the snaps. Um, 11 rushes, six receptions. He's been getting 17 touches a game. Jamal Williams, on the other hand, has been non-existent in the passing game since he was actually involved in the first couple of weeks. So Jamal Williams is a touchdown dependent RB three at best. I don't love this game in general um, for fantasy. This is a team, two teams who have not run a lot of plays per game, both towards the bottom 10 in the league. Um, two teams who don't pass too much. Detroit is the only team in the league who has faced more rushes than passes this year. Joe Burrow's 26th in pass attempts. So there's a chance this is like a long rushing drives type of game where before you know it, there's three minutes left in the second quarter and each team has had two positions. You're like, where did the time go? The Bengals are running the second least plays in the league too. There you go. Yeah. The Lions are somewhere down there, too. I know they are. Like, this is a game where they're not going to run a lot of plays, most likely. They're both clock-killing teams. So, I think there's going to be a, some disappointment. I On the Bengals side, I like... Well, I'll stick to the Lions side for now. Besides Swift, you're starting Hawkinson because he's a tight end. He didn't play. That's why. He didn't Real practice. Quick, to cut off Jason for one second... Tim, are you not a little scared that TJ Hawkinson wasted oh his first two no, weeks of the season on his best weeks? No, I am not. Secondly, he's been hurt. 
He has been hurt since that third game. He hasn't. The knee issue has been. Look, I'm not saying it's the direct reason why he hasn't been as good lately, but he has a knee issue and he hasn't been playing as well. I don't think they're like, you know, what, what's what's the saying again? Causation is not uh, correlation is not causation. But correlation. This, yeah, correlation is not causation. But in this case, it very well might be. You know, Hawkinson might not play. So, but if he plays, I'm starting him. Um, I'm not. I'm not too excited about it because he's injured, and the Bengals have been good. Someone who's gaining a little steam in the fantasy football world, um, Matt Ward's by low this week, I believe, in our article. Amon Ra St. Brown has led the team in targets the last two weeks. Look, so far this season, we went from week one thinking Tyrell Williams was going to be the main target to week two thinking he was Quintus Cephas to week three thinking he was Khalif Raymond. Now to week six where it seems like it's Amon Ra. Good luck. I like to see it again. If you're in a league where he's a free agent and you want to roster him, because if it, look, he'll have some upside if he is seeing eight targets a game for the rest of the year. I don't want to be the person taking that chance right now, this week. Um, if in the deepest of leagues, if you want to give him a shot, sure. But like we said, this probably isn't going to be a game where there's going to be a lot of plays run. So I don't want the guy seeing seven targets from Jared Goff if I don't have to start that guy. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not interested in anyone in this offense uh, outside of Hawkinson and Swift at this point. And and again, I just wanted to add one more thing that the Bengals have allowed six top 24 running back performances. And I know they lost rag now, but that does bode well for the running backs. Um, But there is always the fear of maybe without rag now, they're just like straight trash this week. Hopefully it's not like that. So I'm always weary of Jamal Williams. Um, I always just think he's a touchdown dependent flex play. So that's that's about it. Uh, let's go to the Bengals side because you mentioned already this could be a big game for Joe Mixon. Everything conventional says big game for Joe Mixon. Who mentioned that? You did. You said it could be a, a Joe Mixon game. No, I said I said it'll be a slow kill the clock running game, but I will never declare an average Joe Mixon. Breakout game. I, I do declare. I was gonna say this is the type of game that Joe Mixon like is classic for. Like the, everything's lined up. Joe Mixon should kill this team. He's gonna have the opportunity, and then he gives you you know fourteen points. So you know I don't see him as any more at, as any more than a mid range RB two. I think that you could expect that out of him. But besides that, it is a good matchup. So he does have upside. You have to give him that. I mean. When you're playing the Detroit Lions, you have upside, period. Um, they have a very bad run defense, which bodes well for Joe Mixon or Samaje Piran. Oh, Joe Mixon, he went from a limited practice on Wednesday to no practice on Thursday, guys. Samaj this could Piran's, be a big Samaje Piran game. So, Piran game. Samaje Piran's hurt. He, no, he, he's on the COVID list. He right. could get activated. COVID list, excuse me. I guess we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, he can be activated in time. And every single person so far that has been able to be activated in time basically has been activated. Um, that's just the trend I see. Um, so even, but if Mixon and P. Ryan are out, Chris Evans becomes an interesting play. So I just, I'm I'm not super like, everyone like Detroit is this tremendous matchup though. Uh, Detroit's been pretty solid these past few weeks defensively. Um, they they held Baltimore down a little bit, and then this past week, who did who did uh Detroit play against this past week? I'm blanking. 
Michael, you you uh you broke Anyone? up there. What did you say? Um, who did Detroit play this week? Uh, I was blanking on Minnesota. Yeah, they held Minnesota to 19 points. They held Chicago to 24, Baltimore to 19. Since week two, they haven't really allowed that many points. With that being said, it's still Detroit. I'm just saying, I don't know if we're going to see a like 40-point explosion out of Cincy. But, I mean, Joe Burrow's playing tremendous top 10 true throw value right now. Jamar Chase looks like an absolute stud. He got 10 targets and absolutely demolished um, the Packers. Sign me up for Jamar Chase all day, every day. T. Higgins is top five in true target value. He's been successful, even if last week he wasn't amazing. Um, Tyler Boyd has been the odd man out thus far when all the wide receivers are healthy. And I think that's reasonable enough. Higgins and Chase are just better receivers. Uzoma went back to being like a no one last week with a healthy T. Higgins. So Mixon or and or any Bengals running back insert here. Chase and T. Higgins should all be solid plays against the line. I can see Burrow as like a streaming option as well, especially if you just streamed him last week and you just keep him on your roster and look for it again. Um, I think that one thing that needs to be said, and, and Michael again, just skipping over to the to the Bengals. Um, according to Mike Wright, the Lions are seeing the highest percentage of twenty yard throws against them in the league. So I think Jamar Chase, who's been the guy who catches long passes, um, might see one of those long passes in this game. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? I'm going to take that as a no. Uh, I just want to say because. Of the way that, yes, I do. Because of the way that this game is going, that I think it's going to go. Jamar Chase, a must start. T. Higgins is a touchdown dependent wide receiver two or three this week. And I'm not, I'm not touching Tyler Boyd. Like, I don't want Tyler Boyd on my roster this week. I don't see him getting more than five or six targets. And he's not a big touchdown scorer either. And he's, he hasn't been great with. T. Higgins on the field, which makes sense. If you took Leonard Fournette in your fantasy leagues, good fucking pick. Uh, he just scored a touchdown. All right, let's go on to the next game, the Cardinals at the Browns. So th- I found this to be an interesting stat. The Cardinals have allowed three rushing TDs to QBs. That's the second most in the NFL. Only the Texans have allowed more, including a rushing TD to Justin Herbert last week. And you're thinking, well, the Browns play the Ravens twice, so they probably played the Ravens. They did. They haven't played the Ravens yet. So I think that bodes well for maybe a little Kyler Murray scamper because he hasn't really been using his legs and he started the year off really hot. And the narrative is kind of like, yeah, Kyler Murray is a locked and loaded top three quarterback every week, but he really hasn't been that spectacular the last three weeks. He started, he started the year off on fire, but especially the last two weeks, he hasn't been that spectacular. The Browns defense has been good, but this is definitely a game where you can, exploit the secondary I think that uh Kyler Murray you know I think that he's gonna have a good game but I don't think he's as guaranteed as people might make it out to be man the Browns just allowed Justin Herbert to set a top 20 all-time points scored for a quarterback I'm not concerned about Kyler Murray I think he's gonna do great and with Max Williams out now the question is where do those targets go Listen, last week, Rondell Moore ran more routes than Christian Kirk for the first time. It was his third game of the season with at least five targets. And we all know that Christian Kirk is a da-do. Say it with me, boys. Da-do. He's a da-do. 
So I I like Rondell Moore going forward with Max Williams out. If I had to take a shot on a secondary option for the Cardinals, it'd be more. And then honestly, I'd, I'd prefer a shot on AJ Green over Christian Kirk too. There's a shot that like one of these guys is going to pan out. It's tough to know because DeAndre Hopkins is always going to get his. And even though he hasn't been a superstar like this year, he's been consistent and he's going to remain consistent. So I'd also like to see, you know, Chase Edmonds was hurt last week. So he played a little bit less. I'm interested to see if, if he's healthier this week, if he gets more run, I'm not too concerned. If, if you're starting Chase Edmonds as a PPR RB2 flex, you're probably still going to do the thing. Yeah, me I agree. Too. I also want to add that uh, real quick. Last week, Austin Eckler had a big game. Um, the Browns have only allowed one top 24 running back performance the entire year, which does not bode well for the Edmonds-Connor duo, who have both been playable several weeks this year. Um, this might be because James Conner is super touch on the pennant. This might be the week where he doesn't find the end zone, but the Cardinals offense is amazing. So if he, if they get into the red zone, he comes in. So he could honestly score. He probably has a better shot of finding the end zone than any other running back in the league. That isn't one of the stars, right? Like that's, that's how, uh, that's how well he's used in the red zone and how often he's used in the red zone. So even though he can get you like three or four points, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's always a semi-decent flex play because he has that upside of scoring two touchdowns like he's done in two separate games already this year. Michael, you can uh, refrain from answering this question. Jason, Rondell Moore or Cole Beasley against Tennessee? I'd probably take a shot on Moore. Rondell Moore or Jamal Williams? Moore. Rondell Moore and Naheem Hines. Moore. Oh, interesting. Interesting. This is against me in our home league. It is. It is. I've been. I've, those are my four options at the flex position. And right now, Cole Beasley is in, but I'm not feeling too good about Cole at the moment. Um, let's go over to the Brown side. Man, Nick Chubb is so fucking good, and so is Kareem Hunt. It's kind of a shame that these guys are on the same team. But when it goes right, it goes really, really right. And you have to start both of them weekly at this point because they can both go absolutely ham. Like Kareem Hunt, yeah, sure, sometimes he gets you like seven points. But those games are worth it because he'll also get you 25 points in multiple occasions. Nick Chubb is just steady, as steady as it gets. Gotta love these running backs. In terms of the pass catchers, though, this is where it gets complicated. David Njoku had a great game. Are you chasing the points with David Njoku? Um... OBJ did not have a good game. Are you giving up on OBJ? What are your thoughts on these two top pass catchers? Real quick, I'll talk about them, but I did want to make one note on Kareem Hunt. The last three games, he's averaged 12 rushes and five targets. He is, without the name, DeAndre Swift. The difference is that we've seen Kareem Hunt be a stud before. And he's in a better offense. Everyone's anointing DeAndre Swift as his top five running back moving forward. Kareem Hunt's getting the same work. That's all I wanted to make a note of. And he's been fucking nice with it. But when it comes to the receivers, Njoku's an interesting guy because he played the same amount of snaps as he always has last week. 
the hope is that if you're trusting in Joku this week, it's on the belief that he earned himself more targets. Because we've been saying the tight end is the number one target for Mayfield. There's just three tight ends there. You would think Njoku earned himself more targets in the giant game where he killed it, where Hooper didn't even see a target. So I don't hate Njoku as a streamer if you need to start him. And I'd rather keep um, OBJ on my bench, honestly. Like, I, I don't condone starting OBJ this week. The fucking guy couldn't do anything in a game where the Browns put up 40. Yeah. Um, another thing about the Browns as and well. Breaker Mayfield oh, was better. Baker Mayfield's better when he doesn't throw to him. Yeah, you're not starting Baker Mayfield. That's for um, sure. I also, I'd like to add real quick that that the Arizona Cardinals get this rap that they're like elite against tight ends because they haven't allowed a tight end. Cardinals get this rap that they destroy tight ends when they play the Anthony Ferkserless Titans week one, Tyler Conklin and the Vikings week two. The James O'Shawn Hennessy list and Dan Arnold list Jaguars week three. Tyler Higby and the Rams week four. And the George Kittle list 49ers week five. They're not dominating tight ends. They're just not playing against tight ends. So I'm not not starting in a Joku because the Arizona Cardinals have been good against tight ends. That's one of that out there. the most, the most like um, misleading version of fantasy points against is definitely tight ends because they're such big variants. Especially when you when you like, just have to play Kelsey once and it's over for you. Yeah. And and imagine if you're like the Raiders at the piss have to not even the Raiders, the, the Broncos have to face Kelsey twice and Waller twice and Waller twice. Like of course the Broncos are gonna be towards the back of the league. But they never are. So which is crazy. Um let's go to our next game. A good old American showdown between America's team and America's Patriots. Cowboys at the Pats. So, look, Bill Belichick is known for taking out the team's best weapon, but what is that weapon in this game? There's too many. The Cowboys' running game has been amazing, and I don't expect that to change. The wide receivers might take a hit, but I'm still starting Cooper and Lamb, and you can't sit Schultz if you have him. How are you guys feeling about this Cowboys offense? The Cowboys threw the ball 58 times in the season opener, and now they're averaging 27 a game. Passes, that is. It's, it's not ideal. Dalton Schultz has become like the wide receiver one. It's wild. Dalton Schultz is like leading the team in target share. It's wild. This is a like a run-first tight end offense now. You're starting Dalton Schultz happily. Good job if you have him. You have a tight end one. Um. And you're starting Zeke. Tony Pollard's touches this year are 7, 16, 12, 10, and 18. What? And then you have CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper who are catching touchdowns to keep up. It's it's upsetting if for everyone, for the wide receivers. It's not upsetting for everyone else. So you're going to start Coop and you're going to start Lamb because they always have super high upside. Their floors are a little lower than we thought. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think it's the the way the offense works, too. I It does worry me that Bill Belichick will try and stop the run mostly, but Zeke's just been so damn good. He's not going to. Um, you saw that Alvin Kamara kind of broke the mold where he ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown, I think two touchdowns against the, the Pats. So it's not out of the question that the Pats are like, 
definitely gonna, you know, make this happen. I think that the running game definitely has a game. I I, I wouldn't start Pollard as a flex this week, but I could see if you if you want to. Yeah, I mean Zeke's been great. Pollard has been great. Coop and Coop has been scoring touchdowns. Lamb had a couple down games, but like Dak is top three in true throw value. That offense has just been super efficient and really good of late. Even though it's unfortunate for um, Coop and Lamb overall with the lower passing volume, but you can't complain really if you have Dak. Even though he hasn't been like a top five option, but he's been a top ten option. Like he's been at least um, like you're not going to sit him for a streaming option type. So in this game against the pass, I think it just continues to be more of that. Like you play your Cowboys, and it's un- unfortunately. Like Jason said, Dalton Schultz is seeing more targets than CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper right now. So they do become a little touchdown dependent. So you got to hope that uh, they find the end zone. And maybe the the Pats defense bounces back after that atrocious game against Davis Mills and forces the Cowboys to pass more. Either way, you don't keep these guys on your bench. So you play them and hope for the best. No Pats for me, thanks. No, no, no Pats for me, thanks. Damon Harris... Looking like he's not going to play. If I don't want to start Dem- uh, Damien Harris, believe me, then I don't want to start Ramondre Stevenson. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to start either of those guys. Brandon Bolden isn't really someone I'm interested in. Jacoby Myers is just doing Jacoby Myers thing, things. Right when people thought he was going to be like a wide receiver too, he just continued to suck. Because, you know, he's Jacoby Myers. He doesn't score touchdowns. And Mac Jones is his quarterback. He's at the bottom of the barrel and true throw value. So the targets he's receiving really aren't that good for him to begin with. Aguilar doesn't do anything. Kendrick Bourne is whatever. Hunter Henry is the only player that you want to start on this team because he's established himself as the number one pass catching tight end on this team and has strung together several solid weeks in a row. Other than that, I don't want to trust anyone on the Patriots. Guys, John Lou Smith was on the field for 62% of the snaps last week and ran six routes. He's a he's an extra offensive lineman at this point. They paid mad money for an extra offensive lineman. It's very strange. Very Yuckers. strange how he's being used. Very strange how they're deploying the tight ends in general. You expect if you get two of these guys, they're going to use both, but that has not been the case. All right, let's go on to the next game, unless you guys want to talk about anyone else in this game. Oh, Jacoby Myers, like the rest of the fantasy world who tells you to start Jacoby Myers – Sometimes I wonder if they have eyes or computers. Uh, Raiders at Broncos. No idea what to expect out of the Raiders in this game. None. It's hard to trust any one player, even Waller, who hasn't been the same guy as he was last season. We know that Josh Jacobs is a Gruden guy. Gruden went out on the line and took him. He hasn't been productive, but he's a Gruden guy. So, does Josh Jacobs see the field? Does Peyton Barber see more of the field? Does Kenyon Drake finally get on the field? And then how are the wide receivers used? Do they go to the wide receivers? Is there a change in coaching philosophy? There can't be too much of a change, right? I just think the Raiders are so question marky this week that if I could avoid playing Raiders, I would. But, you know, Darren Waller, you play him. Josh Jacobs might have a good game. You can't really take a chance on Kenyon Drake, but I would really love to see how he's used this week. 
man, the Raiders are just really hard to put a finger on, and they're playing a very good defense in the Broncos. What do you guys think about the Raiders? Am I? I might sound a little crazy, but I'm I'm concerned about Darren Waller going forward. Hmm. I mean, there's not a lot of coaches who will make their tight end their number one receiving option. Like, what if Waller starts to block more or something? I don't know. He's already not been living up to his ADP. He sees seven targets a game, which is fine. But Derek Carr isn't as good as he was in the first three weeks. Every, every year, the Raiders start 2-0. People think Derek Carr is an MVP candidate. And then he fucking sucks. Every year. Keeps yeah. happening. He just looked better this year than last year. But it's still the same. So I agree. It's Especially against Denver, it was a good defense. This is a game that who knows what the Raiders are going to do. Like, they could come out and put up 50 to say, fuck you, John Gruden. But Derek Carr talked about it, too, and he – see what he said? Yeah, I, I love that. He's name. like, oh, I don't know. We all do stuff. My family members do stuff. Bring family members into the conversations a little odd, like to talk about what John Gruden did. But, like, it, it seems like most of the team – Supported John Gruden, which means this game might be worse for them. I don't know. It's it's really a curveball, but you got to take the like. This isn't a game where you just look at analytics and make a guess. Yeah, like there's a human element in play. Oh my God! Hold these up, people are all humans. hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Jason and Michael just admitted there's human elements in this game. I am I'm out. This is number one in my list of things that I thought would never happen in this life. Um, are you ready to admit that Aaron Rodgers was motivated by the drafting of Jordan no, Love? No, fuck MVP your Jordan Love bullshit, man. All right, then I guess you're Look, not fixed. I, I I always say analytics isn't all you need. Like I my I say talent is what makes outliers. Analytics don't always account for talent. Nick Chubb shouldn't be this good based on an average running back. Yeah, well he's not fucking average. Nick Chubb is a stud. And but so this week there is a human element for sure, and who knows how it's going to affect the Raiders. Either way, you don't really want to start those guys anyway, except for Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs as a potential RB2. Yeah, and Denver they've allowed zero QB1 performances, one top 24 running back performance, no top 12 tight ends thus far. Denver's defense has been rock solid, they're controlling the ball on offense. It's, I mean. I didn't drop Kenny and Drake in my home league. So I was like, new coach, let's see what happens. Maybe he gets more involved now. But that's the thing. Like, if that's something that you're going to question, how are you supposed to trust anyone on this team, really? Like, obviously, I'm going to start. The I don't think that the offense is going to change drastically, though. Like, I'm still going to start Waller. I still think Hunter Renfro is a solid PPR wide receiver three. But And Josh Jacobs, back-to-back games where he's seen five targets for the first game in his career. That's what I'm more concerned about. Is that going to change? It's going to be an interesting game here, and uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out, but it's not a, a great spot by any means for uh, for the Raiders' offense. More certain is on the other side, the Broncos, but they're going through a little bit of a transition too because I know that there's a little bit of a like a thing on Twitter where if everyone says it's Javante Williams week every week, then it's eventually going to be. I think it's Javante Williams week. And I, I've been telling you to start Melvin Gordon. I said that I am willing to miss Javante Williams' breakout game. I think Javante Williams' breakout game was last week, and I didn't really miss much. Um, this is a good matchup. 
And Javante Williams has been outperforming Melvin Gordon in every metric. So I think that this is his backfield. I think that he's going to start getting some of those 50-50 touches that Melvin Gordon was getting. I think that Javante Williams is going to get those little ones that that put him a little bit over the edge. Now, still going to be somewhat of a shared backfield, so uh, always prepared for that. But I'm starting Javante Williams, and I'm happy about it this week. How do you guys feel about that? And then you're going to say that after week six, after week seven, after week eight, Melvin Gordon saw 60% of the snaps last week to Javante Williams, 41. Javante Williams only got one more touch than he did. They just split the backfield right in half. That's how it's been all season, and nothing has changed. If anything, it's gone more to Melgo playing more snaps as the season has progressed. So I'm not with you at all on this. I really don't understand it. I don't understand why people are just assuming this is going to happen. I understand it's happened in the past, so history says there's a chance. I'm not saying there's no chance. I'm just saying typically there's more of a sign that it's going to happen. Like you'll see progression, like Jonathan Taylor starting to play more and things like that last season, or J.K. Dobbins progressing to start playing more last season. It's just been Melgo and Javante having the same split every single week, and the Broncos are, I mean, rather successful doing it thus far, so I don't see why it would change. I think they're both just low-end RB2 flex plays because they cannibalize each other, and they've both become – touchdown dependent because of that like they're all they're just going to get you eight to 11 points at this point that's what they've been doing i don't like i'm not happily starting these guys i'm just i'm completely off here than i am with you and the majority of twitter it seems who are who's hyped about this matchup for denver uh i i I disagree um corlin sutton is a must start in my opinion and I really like Noah Fant in this passing game. 91% of the snaps last week. Las Vegas is 25th in DVOA against a tight end. I think Noah Fant is a top four or five play in this game. And Tim Patrick is a steady guy. Uh, he's the steadiest guy. He's like the name. He, he's just like his name. Tim Patrick. It's a real steady guy. It's a real stand-up guy, that Tim Patrick. Um, steadiest in all the land. Steadiest someone you want land. your daughter to bring home. That's right. That's right. Hello, sir. My name is Tim. Tim Patrick. Oh, hello, Tim. Tim Patrick. Yes, you can have sex with my daughter. No problem. Um, <laughs> uh, you would you, not have said that if your child that you had just born was a was a, a girl. I'm so I'm, I don't even know how I'm going to deal with that shit when, like, my daughter's, like, a real person. Like, oh, my God. And people want to date her and, like, people want to, like, have sex with her and be like, Yo, hey, 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 what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what is uh, what is your thoughts on this Broncos passing game then? Um, look, Corlin Sutton has two games over 100 yards and every other game under 50. It's been an up-and-down season for the man. Um, if you're going based on matchups, the Raiders look like a good matchup. They've allowed the third lowest points in the league to receivers per game. But it's still a good matchup. Like, that's just how it's been working out. But the Raiders don't have lockdown corners and shit. You're probably starting something if you have him. You have to be ready for that roller coaster. And like you said, Tim Patrick is wide receiver. Tim Patch. What did it, What was my Tim wide receiver three? Tim Patch number. No. Wide receiver was. three trick. Tim were Tim. Oh, my gosh. Word trim. It was really bad. That's why I don't remember it. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. 
Patchery, th- Patchwater. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm done. Let's go to the next game. <laughs> All right. Uh, hold on, guys. Hold yeah, on. Right? We just like what you, did a whole Raiders game and we didn't. Okay then. Um, Seahawks. <laughs> shut up. The Seahawks at the Steelers are next. Uh, let's start with the Steelers side because it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers adjust to the loss of Juju. Uh, Claypool has come out of the slot fifteen percent of the time, so he has some some experience there. Deontay only six point one percent of the time, so he's an outside receiver. They move him around sometimes. Odds are both of these guys will move around the for- formation if. James Washington is in. I think that Claypool is going to be the guy who takes those slot snaps. Most of the time, probably is going to be Ray Ray, Ray Ray McLeod in the slot, but Ray Ray McLeod's not a player that can demand like 70% of the snaps. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use Chase Claypool. And even though slot snaps for the Steelers aren't usually worth much, you saw him take a slant to the house last week. The guy is an uber athletic freak. And I think the sky is the limit for Claypool in this game. And I think going forward, I don't know, man. I think I got a good chance to win that bet of Claypool, Deontay, Juju. Michael's definitely out. That's for sure. What do you guys think about this? Uh, I also like Deontay in this game. The Seahawks secondary is fucking trash. Uh, the Seahawks have given up 36 points per game to wide receivers. It's the sixth worst in the league. So how do you feel about these wide receivers? Seahawks have allowed seven top 24 wide receiver performances. Juju is out. James Washington is going to be playing a bunch. Even he, I think, has some flex appeal in this matchup against Seattle, who has been next level bad this entire season against the pass. You happily start Deontay. You happily start Claypool. Bada bing, bada boom. I don't, I don't really think it's a question. Chase Claypool was my buy low in, in, on the article on BrotoFantasy.com and on the BrotoFantasy app. Um in week two. I hope you went and got him. I hope you went and got him. Juju being out might get Najee Harris some more targets too. Talk about the problem with PPR. Just point to Najee Harris and don't even say any words. Um, but look, he may not be the best running back to ever come out, but he's getting a lot of work and he's decent with them. And if Juju being out means Najee Harris is going to get two or three more targets a game, He's, he's going to put up RB1 numbers in half PPR and PPR. Uh, I'll tell you, standard. I will tell yeah. you this. Najee Harris looked better last week than he has all season. He actually looked like a good running back last week. He was making, he was breaking tackles. He was hitting holes. He he didn't look like he was, you know, he, he was just making bad decisions, making poor decisions. And as the year goes on, he'll make better decisions. And he's getting enough experience, I'll tell you that. So I think Najee Harris, I think we've, I think we've kind of we haven't seen the ceiling of Najee Harris. We could see Najee Harris could be one of those guys who turns up in the second half of the season and really becomes a fantasy superstar. Um, and he, I think he's definitely going to do that in this game. The Seahawks rushing defense is not great, and they and they give up, and they give up, you know, a lot of completions. So, like you said, last time Juju went out, you're right. If you look at if you look at Najee's rushing yards over expected, Tim. If you look at his graph, yeah. He was down to like negative 40 last week and he upped that to negative 18. Huh, so still negative but he was a much better runner last week. Yeah, your, he, your eyes told the truth. He just looked different last week. He looked like he was it was starting to click a little bit. 
Um, on the other side, speaking of looking different, this Atlanta, I mean, this Seattle Seahawks team is looking a lot different um, than it did before because Russell Wilson is not the quarterback. So, look, DK Metcalf missed practice on Thursday. Is he going to play? Can you trust Lockett with Geno? See, the Steelers have given up the 29th most fantasy points, so the fourth least fantasy points per game to running backs. Chris Carson did not practice on Thursday. This team is an absolute mess. They're a disaster, which is great news because we're Jets fans and we have their number one pick. But if you have players on this team for fantasy, you got to be really scared right now. And I'm not sure if I'm comfortable starting any player on this team, except DK Metcalf if he plays. But besides that, I just don't have enough confidence in Geno Smith. This game could get ugly very quickly, and the Steelers could really beat the crap out of the Seahawks. I don't expect much from Geno, much from Geno Smith. He hasn't started a game since 2017, and yeah, he came in and threw some bombs, and it looked nice. He also threw an interception that wasn't his fault, but he threw it. And I just I've seen enough Geno Smith in my life to know that Geno Smith is not a guy that I want throwing the ball to my fantasy players. So, like, I'm, I'm worried about the Seattle offense, especially because now they have to take on the Steelers, one of the best defenses in the league. So how are you feeling about this, guys? I don't understand why people are acting like this isn't going to affect DK Metcalf. I agree that it's not going to affect him as much as Tyler Lockett. He's yeah. a freak of nature. You know, Smith will get him the ball. But it's a Russell Wilson drop down to Geno Smith. Russell Wilson was... First overall in true throw value. You look at ECR right now, the expert consensus ranking on fantasy pros. DK Metcalf is 13th. Marquise Brown is 22nd. I'm starting Marquise Brown over DK Metcalf in a heartbeat. As long as Geno Smith is under center. Wow. Like it's not even close. I have DK Metcalf from the wide receiver 21. Might even be smarter to move him lower. I, he's probably going to be a touchdown dependent option with Geno Smith. Because Geno Smith also is not as accurate as Russell Wilson. and if So you're going to need more deep targets than the beautiful deep targets that Russell Wilson throws. And that's just DK Metcalf. If you look at Tyler Lockett, who already is a up-and-down player, everyone knows that, and it's been on display this year. They have to go against Pittsburgh. pretty de- decent defense. They're in Pittsburgh. I, Lockett is a wide receiver three to me, with with a large with a with a low floor. And then is Chris Carson gonna play? Is it gonna be Alex Collins? There's another question mark there. Are they gonna lean on the? I expect them to lean on the running game a little bit more with Geno Smith out. Because another thing in this game, the Steelers and Seahawks are also both in the bottom of the league in plays run. So this is like the other game I was talking about. I forget which one that was, but where the Lions and Bengals, where there's two games where there's not a lot of plays run by these teams. So there might be less opportunity. I We need to see if Chris Carson's healthy. You're not going to sit Chris Carson if he's healthy. But this might be ugly for the Seahawks, and I think people might realize that they're tripping a little bit, not understanding how good Russell Wilson is. Michael, as a person who's playing you and you're playing Tyler Lockett this week, I want you to explain to me why Tyler Lockett's going to suck. What? (laughs) (laughs) Look, Tyler Lockett obviously is up and down. I think, uh, obviously, it's never good. I've always subscribed to the theory it's never good 
when a backup quarterback takes over. Like everyone, there's always times in a year where a quarterback gets injured and people are like, yeah, they're going to be forced to throw more because they're going to be losing and shit. It's never a good thing when a backup quarterback takes over. With that being said, you guys don't see a world where they manufacture more touches for Tyler Lockett and screen passes and things of that sort. I think there's a chance he has more receptions for Geno Smith in a different short sort of fashion than for the way he was used for Tyler Lockett. So I don't think all hope is lost for Lockett. Um, obviously, this hurts the ceiling, but I still think Tyler Lockett could at least be a, a usable fantasy asset while um, while Geno Smith is on their center. And Geno Smith looked pretty good as well when he took over. Obviously, it was a very small sample, um, but Pittsburgh has been beat through the air this year, not on the ground. And Carson's not... Um, not practicing. It looks like it's going to be Alex Collins again. So I'm fine starting Metcalf and Lockett in this show me what you got week for Geno Smith against Pittsburgh. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, me too. And uh, also, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but, you know, the patrons have said they like it. So I'm going to remind you guys, this is the Sunday night game. It's Sunday night football on MSG. Geno Smith is not the best on TV. How did we forget to sing this? Timmy had to remind us what? Hey, look over there. It's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on a screen, taking it to the house. No Juju and no Russell Wilson. Chase Claypool scored a touchdown again. Deontay Johnson with 14 targets. (laughs) That's all. That's it. Najee Harris, you're gonna leave us targets coming again. You're gonna leave us hanging, like because I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. See, Tim's doing it now. No, you're just singing Damn. the Sunday night football next. theme song. I like the th- Sunday night football theme song. My problem <laughs> is you just took off NBC and you replaced it with MSG. That's it. And it didn't used to be that. <laughs> it didn't used to be this way. You used to have a reason for it, but you don't anymore. You've lost your way. Friday Night Knicks on MSG got front row seats. That's the Do song that you should be singing. There. That's the song you should be singing. All right, let's go to Mello the... Hello and the Knicks, all the best on TV. <laughs> let's go to the next one. The Bills at the Titans. All right, so the Bills continue their run of playing absolutely terrible defenses where you can smash everyone. Allen, Diggs, Sanders, Knox. All goes. Zach Moss. Saw 74% of the snaps last year, last week. Two-thirds of the rushes. He's officially the main back, and it doesn't look like they're using Josh Allen in the rush game as often as they did last season. So, Zach Moss becomes an RB2 flex play. The question I have is with Michael Beasley. His usage has dropped dramatically since the surge of Knox. The last two games, which, by the way, I put resurgence, and, you know, it's not really a resurgence, of Knox because he never had a surgence, but it's surgence, 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 not a word. No, it should be. Yeah, it's, it should be. But your I said, first come up is your surgence, right? So I guess it's just your surge, and then it's the resurgence. English is weird sometimes. Um, but anyway, the last two weeks, yeah, usually there's a word behind the re, right? Exactly, and I guess it's surge. Redo. I guess it's surge. But I don't understand why we get resurge. Why not the resurge? Why is resurgence? Dawson is certainly surgencing right now. Right. He's, he's got the surgence. Um, last two weeks, though, for Beasley. 50% of the snaps in week four. 
39% of the snaps in week five. To put that in perspective, he played over 90% of the snaps in week one. But Tennessee is 29th in DVOA against a slot receiver. They are giving up seven catches and 79 yards per game to the slot, according to Football Outsiders. That is a horrible number. Horrible. Absolutely terrible. It makes you think that Cole Beasley might have a chance to have a game in this game. But he's just so volatile. How are you feeling about these pass catching uh pass catchers for the Bills? Timothy, I have Emmanuel Sanders as my wide receiver at 26. And that might be a little low, honestly. I expect good things from Emmanuel. He's been money for the Bills. He's basically taken the John Brown role, which was super consistent wide receiver three, and just expanded on it. Yeah, he's better he's than John been Brown. A top 12 receiver two out of the last three weeks. Can I, Even without seeing that many targets. My bad. That's let me, the power of true target value. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off just for a second because I want to just say, like, everyone was in love with John Brown last last year, and they're like, oh, yeah, John Brown is a is a real – people forget about him, this and that, this and that, this and that. But look at what he did with this role last season. And now look at what Emmanuel Sanders is doing with this role this season. And, you know, John Brown's out of the league. So it's the role. And Emmanuel Sanders is – is killing it in this role. And I, and I'll say this again. I'm going to keep saying this. The Bills are the best team in football right now. And watching the Bills closely because they're in the AFC East, since the, the hiring of their head coach, um, they have been, everything they do, everything they touch turns to gold. Everything. And they've built a fucking squad. So the Bills are the real deal. Um, but anyway, go ahead, Jason. I mean, you just reasserted everything I said. He's taken the John Brown role, but has been better. Right, right, right. So I love me some Emmanuel Sanders. And Zach Moss, what's funny is people were like, oh, Zach Moss is the receiving back, like coming into the year. Like, that was never true. He had 55 receiving yards last week, which was a career high. Um, so maybe perhaps now he's going to be the receiving back. But Josh Allen doesn't really throw to his receivers anyway. He's running backs, I mean. And it always seems like every time this – Something like this happens. Singletary is going to be the main back next week. Who knows? But at the moment, Zach Moss is a good RB2 flex play. You should trust him at this point. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's you can't sit down. D- what about – I do want to ask you about Stefan Diggs. If you are Stefan Diggs' manager, how nervous are you? Are you shopping him? Are you selling his name? Or you just think this is kind of a – a product of just some, you know, it's it's all going to balance out average-wise by the end of the year. Yeah, I'd buy Stefan Diggs. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he has a huge game against Tennessee. He's still getting targets. He's still doing Stefan Diggs things. It'll if you if you uh, recall last year he was he didn't find the end zone much in the first half of the year at all either, and then he started finding the end zone more and having those top end wide receiver one games. He was uh, just a super consistent more. Like wide receiver two type guy last year before he started scoring all the touchdowns. He was just always ranked in the top 10 because he was so consistently very solid. So um, I'd be looking to buy Stefan Diggs, if anything. Okay. Um, with that being said, we have one more team to go, and we are at 51 minutes. Jason, we're about to do two episodes in two hours. How proud are you of me It's a right miracle. Now? Um, you know the the Kimmy Schmidt show? We should play that song. It's a miracle. 
Right. Um, right that's where it's from? They love, damn it. Unbreakable. They love, damn it. It's a miracle. By the way, Stefan Diggs is third in unreal. Just, just overlooked it. Uh, Stefan Diggs is third in unrealized air yards. <laughs> um, uh, Unrealized adjusted air yards. Excuse me. So, a lot, a lot of yards left there on the board. Let's go over to the Titans. I am enticed by the idea of Stefan Diggs and DFS this week. Hmm. Are you Mike Tyst? Well, you can't use the Sunday main slate then because Monday Night Football for these two bad boys. All right. He'll be my captain. I'm the captain now. When is it time to panic about A.J. Brown? Uh, Coolio Jones is coming back, but A.J. Brown has been trash uh, this whole season. One of the least expected, more busty players so far. I don't want to call him a bust yet because there's a lot of time left. But he's been a bust. <laughs> Who's busty, Tim? <laughs> Who's turning you on? Oh, A.J. Brown. Look at all that bust. Um, but, yeah, A.J. Brown is uh, has been a bust. And, you know, Julio Jones is coming back, which I think is a great sign. How do you feel about these two wide receivers? Uh, because the Bills' defense, and the Bills' offense not only has been torching teams, they probably have the best defense in the league, too. Number one overall in defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. It's... It's hard to see a team that can match up with the Bills right now. And the Titans are a good team, but they also lost to the Jets. So how are you feeling about um, the Titans' pass-catching situation? Yeah, man. A.J. Brown is funny because we're known as a Titans people, Ryan Tannehill, Truth Our Value King, so hence we love A.J. Brown. But as we get closer to the season, our patron cheat sheet that was available for certain tiers of patrons, actually had A.J. Brown on it as a fade. Because he had surgery on both his knees this offseason, and nobody seemed to care. The thing is, though, we're six weeks into the season now, about to be. I do expect him to turn up. Like, he already missed the game. He got eased back last week. He had a slow start to the season. Maybe he's dealing with his injury, his surgeries from the offseason. The Titans need to play better on offense, and A.J. Brown is just too talented, in my opinion, to keep not performing. After this week against Buffalo, the the Rams get the, the Titans, sorry, get Kansas City, Indy, Rams, New Orleans, Houston, New England. The only two tough matchups there are the Rams and New Orleans. And if Julio Jones is getting Ramsey and Lattimore, then AJ Brown's gonna eat. Like I don't think any of us would be surprised if AJ Brown this week just was AJ Brown again. I wouldn't I'm not be super concerned, I but you'd like to see him play better. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised anyway. Still starting him if I have him. Uh, Jason, you want to give me AJ Brown for a first round pick in Dynasty? Don't. Damn, that sucks for me. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry is a smash play. I'm sitting Ryan Tannehill in this game. I just have a whole bunch of quarterbacks that I prefer over him. He plays Kansas City next week, so don't drop him, especially because next week is Bipocalypse. There's six teams on by, and these six teams are include like some heavy, heavy, heavy hitters. Like the Chargers are on by, the Cowboys are on by. Like there's there's a bunch of teams that are have a lot, a lot of fantasy implications. So next week's gonna be a week, a week, week for everyone. If you can stash Ryan Tannehill, do it now. Is there anything else you guys uh, want to talk about in this game? 
Derrick Henry's the king. Yeah. Play him. He's on pace for he's on pace to smash the record for most touches in a season by like forty. He's on pace to do that. So uh, oh, Leonard Fournette to the corner. Ah, oh, can't get to the corner. Good tackle by the the Eagles player. Jason, where could they find you? At BrotoFF, Jason. Michael. At BrotoFF, Mike over here. You can find me at BrotoFF. Tim, you can find Cass at BrotoFF Casanova. BrotoFantasy.com, the fantasy football by Broto app, and Patreon.com to get everything Broto. And we did it. Two episodes, under an hour each. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the quick hitters, and I hope you... If you want any more, you could find us on Twitter, obviously, but also the app has literally everything that we base our opinions on are on the app, so go check out the app. With that being said, peace. Later. Damn, I was waiting for you guys forever Later. to say that.